0: Galatians, and uh, this morning I've got uh, chapter one and the first five verses. Um, this is, makes a great change from uh, Daniel, when we had to read very long chapters. So this morning it's only five verses. And starting at verse one of one Galatians, Paul, an apostle, sent from men. Sorry, sent not from men, nor by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. I don't know whether you, um, any of you still buy books. I, I love bookshops, I love going in and um, reading books and buying books. I love book tokens for um, presents. There's something special about having a book and holding it in your hand and putting it on the bookshelf. Kindles don't really turn me on that much, but I'm sure they're great if you like them. And when I go, to, I like biographies, and when I go to buy a biography, I'm interested about who it's about, that's what catches my eye first, but I'm also interested in who has written it. Because sometimes you look at a biography and you think, yeah, I don't know whether I'll read that one, not too sure about the author. And um, as we look at Galatians, and this Galatians is, is um, is quite a difficult book, the, the writer of the letter to the Galatians he actually gets quite angry, righteous anger, um, with what happened there when people were led astray from the gospel, and so I thought it was good to look at this man in verse one, Paul, an apostle, sent from men, nor by sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ. That's who he was sent from. So, what do we know about Paul? Well, I've never seen a a biography on Paul. I would think it would make a fantastic story if it was all written. You see, to get the story of Paul, you have to jump around all over the New Testament where he puts in little bits about his life and his sufferings and what happened to him. And... um, but um, to have the whole story and, and to read it as a book would be fascinating but it's fascinating in here because it's, it's God's word he was, he was a very um, legalistic person he was very religious he was a, a religious man he say, it says and you may want to if you've got a notebook you may want to write down some of these scriptures about Paul it says in Philippians 3 and verse 15 that he was um, legalistic. He was, he was uh, faultless regarding righteousness and the law. He, he, it appears that he was able, in, in, in some way, to keep the law. And uh, he was 13 years old when he went to Jerusalem to study under Gamaliel. He, he, he grew up in Tarsus, and, and uh, that was all part of God's planning for his life. He, he, Paul also says... In, um, I think it says says in Galatians 1, we'll read it next week or maybe the week after or the week after that. But he was set apart. God set him apart from birth to be an apostle. He was brought up, he was a Roman citizen. That was a great help to Paul. He was also, he knew Greek. He lived in Tarsus, which was on the border of where East met West. Where there was Greek influence, Roman influence. And he was, of course, a Jew. So he sort of ticked all the boxes. He could go into synagogues to preach because he was a Jew. He, he was spared suffering and, and persecution sometimes because he was a Roman. And he understood how people thought. He understood how the Greeks and um, can't find the word there now. But anyhow, he, so this was Paul. And at he, 13, he was sent to study under Gamaliel. I imagine if you were at school with Paul, and this is just my imagination, it's not in the Bible anywhere, so don't take it um, too literally, but I imagine he might have been the kind of boy who sat right at the front, and um, every time the teacher asked a question, his hand was always the first up, and he handed his homework in probably a week or two before it was really due. I imagine he was really keen, he was... Um, quite ruthless in his studies in self, ruthless in self-discipline but he said well he doesn't sound he sounds a bit weird but he doesn't sound too bad you know you can't really fault that but also he says to, in 1 Timothy 1.13 he says to Timothy I was a blasphemer a persecutor and a violent man so we've got a real mixture of this cultured religious man who is also a blasphemer and a violent man so why did Why did God choose this man to be an apostle He doesn't. So far, his credentials for writing to the Galatians about how they should behave in the church don't seem very good, do they? Um, But uh, God, as you know, did something very powerful in Saul of Tarsus. He was called Saul and Paul. Latterly, he was called Paul. God did something powerful in his life. And... um, the title of the preaching was Paul legal, from Legalism to, to Grace. We've talked about the legalism, the good citizen he was, but um, what about the grace side? Because there was that story in Acts 8, the stoning of Stephen. You know, Stephen was preaching to the Jews, and I'm sure you know the story, but some of you may not. I'll just tell you. Stephen was preaching and he offended the Jews because the gospel was an offence to the Jews of that day Because, and it, it, and it may still be um, if they don't accept Jesus. It's an offence because um, Jesus was their Messiah and they rejected him. And Paul, uh, St- Stephen really upset the Jews and so they dragged him out of the city and they threw him down and they picked up stones and they stoned him. And, um, well, I missed out a little bit. They actually, they, he was preaching and they pulled him out and uh, he said, I see the heavens opened and I see Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And that was blasphemy to the Jews, so they dragged him out and they stoned him. And it says, when they stoned him, they laid their clothes at the feet of a young man called Saul, who would have been about 30 at that time so he was now an accomplice to a murder and but you know I believe from the scriptures that something was ticking in his conscience because in Acts chapter 9 you see that it says that um, I'll just read it Uh, it says Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priests and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that was the Christian way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he almost seemed to have... Um, his, his antagonism and his anger against Christians seemed to have moved up a few gears after the stoning of Stephen. Because maybe, and I'm sure he was, God was working in his life. And you know the story, well, um, maybe, that he was on the way to Damascus. And um, as he neared Damascus, this is verse 3 of chapter 9 of Acts, on his journey suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? and if you read Acts 27 when Paul was before giving his testimony before King Agrippa Paul says that that light was brighter than the noonday sun and it says here, I think it says here that they were, uh, maybe it's in Acts, it was midday anyhow, and then this huge light came up that was even brighter than the Middle Eastern sun at midday. And uh, Paul was, or Saul as he was then, was completely dazzled. And um, just, just, just looking at Acts 9, um, he got up, I'll just sort of paraphrase it, he got up from the ground, he opened his eyes, and they took him by the hand, And they took him into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat anything. Now, there were disciples in in Damascus, and one was called Ananias. And uh, the Lord said these words to Ananias. He said, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And um, Ananias was flabbergasted. He said, Lord, in verse 13, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is chosen, a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and all the people of Israel. Who were the Gentiles that Paul was going to preach to? The Gentiles were anybody who wasn't a Jew. The Jews were God's chosen people. God chose the Jews through Abraham to be his people, but they rejected their Messiah and Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Why why did God choose Paul? I mean, would you have chosen Paul? I mean, even even after he had this amazing experience on the Damascus Road, would would you have said, well, he's the right man to take the gospel to the Gentiles? He hated the Gentiles. He tried to kill them. He was a perfect Jew. And, um, I mean, why, Lord? I mean, surely there's Peter, there's John, there's James, there's Philip. Couldn't one of them be the great apostle and go all over Asia planting churches? But no, he chose Paul. And uh, that's because of something called grace. Do you know what grace is? I wonder if we went round and... uh, we asked, each, we asked each, all of us for a, a definition of grace. We'd probably come up with vaguely the same thing, which would be encouraging. But we'd have quite a lot of variations. Grace is the most wonderful thing that the human, a human being can ever know. It's the most wonderful thing that has ever come into this world. And I looked up a few definitions of grace, and I, I, I sort of made up my own. Um, you may not think it's very good, but I'm going to read it out anyhow. Grace is God's undeserved favor, love and goodness that we can never ever earn, we can never ever repay, It is available 24-7, whatever we do, however we feel, because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Now, just in case there's a few of you here that thinks that's a good definition, I'll read it again in case you want to write it down. (laughs) Grace is God's undeserved favour, love and goodness that we can never earn, never repay and is available 24-7. Whatever we do, however we feel because Jesus paid for it on the cross. So this gave Paul the authority to write a letter to the Galatians to tell them that they had been hoodwinked. And led astray by people who came in like um, Sean told us last week. People had come to to the Galatians and they said, Oh yes, it's fine, you're Christians, you've been saved, but that's not enough. You must do something to make certain of your salvation. You, You know, you must do what the Jews did, you must be circumcised. You must keep certain parts of the Jewish law. Um, Paul had done all that and he found it, it didn't work. He said, I think it's in um, Philippians, he said that he, he counted everything about his, about his past life as rubbish on account of knowing the grace of Jesus Christ. So all his good works, all his education, all he knew up here, all the respect he had from the Jewish leaders he said I counted it as absolute rubbish on account of knowing Jesus Christ and how did he know Jesus Christ he knew Jesus Christ because of the cross and um, that's where we come to this morning we come to the cross So what amazing grace! Yes, it's Philippians chapter three, verses four to eleven, where Paul counted everything as loss compared with knowing Jesus. His past life was rubbish to gain Christ. If you if you got it's always good having a, a pen and paper in these uh, preachings because you can write scriptures like that down, and also the one in Acts twenty six or twenty seven about Agrippa and Paul preaching. Um, because you can go and read those later. Um, he was also an apostle. Um, an apostle, and this isn't my def- definition, of, an apostle is one sent, it tells us in, um, in verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul an apostle. An apostle is one sent as a messenger with a special commission as the fully authorised representative of that sender. And... We will see as we go through Galatians how Paul defends the fact that he was appointed as an apostle. What did Paul major on in his preaching? Must have done lots of preachings. If you planted dozens of churches and, um, and that church in Ephesus, that was thousands strong as as were some of the others. Amazing work that God did through Paul. Paul says at the end of Galatians, May I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, he says, I preach, I preach to you Christ and him crucified. He also said to, um, he said, Paul was extremely honest, extremely vulnerable man, and we can learn from that. He said that he said to Timothy in one Timothy, one Timothy one fifteen. He said, um, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, you might be sitting there and you might be a visitor and you haven't been to church for donkey's years like some of the people here and you're saying, what's sin? What's a sinner? Well, um, there again, if we went round and asked asked what sinners are, we'd get lots of answers. Um, Yeah, we'd get answers like a sinner is somebody who murders, Uh, a sinner is a, a pedophile is a sinner, somebody who steals is a sinner, they do bad things. But um, there's, there's one easy definition of sin, and it's, um, it's anybody who lives independently of God. So you might be the nicest, best person in Alton. Um, you might do all sorts of good works and help people and be very kind and only occasionally get... Cross and only lost your temper twice in your life. That's, of course, in God's sight, that's perhaps two times too many. Um, and uh, But actually, you're still a sinner. Um, I'm sorry if that's bad news. I'm sorry. I, I hate to put people down. And uh, God, actually, I'm not doing that because I'm going to lift you up in a minute. Um, God lifts people up. And uh, you're a sinner if you're living independently of God. That means that um, if you don't know God through Jesus Christ, um, you are living in your own way. You're rejecting Jesus Christ. And why is, it, why is it serious to reject Jesus Christ? It's serious because of that wooden cross up there on the wall. That's obviously not the cross that Jesus died on. It's just a, it's just a, a model of it a symbol of it. Um, But God has given his son for your salvation so that you can understand his grace, his undeserved favor and love and goodness. And uh, if you're rejecting that this morning, um, the bad news is you're a sinner. Um, The very good news is that you can actually do something about it. And you can do something about it right now you don't have to have you don't have to go and take a journey to Damascus and hope you see a bright light you can actually come to Jesus Christ this morning sitting in your seat and that is fantastic news do you know when you come to the cross when you come in repentance to the cross because repentance is very important saying sorry and turning around and leaving your old life behind paul did that i'm sure in those 3 days in damascus when he was blind i'm sure that he he said sorry to the lord many many times but that wasn't enough he also had to prove he had to he had to prove repentance by following jesus which he did and so we come you can come this morning you can come in repentance to the cross and do you know the good news is that when you come to the cross, God actually has to forgive you your sin. That's amazing, isn't it? You, you, you don't get there and, uh, and um, God says, well, I'm, I'm not too sure about you. Um, you've done this and that and i um, not sure if there's forgiveness for you. But you can say, Jesus died there for my sin and that gives me perfect right to come into your presence. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that God would say to you that you, you, he wouldn't say that, but just, just looking at it the other way around, because of the work of Jesus, you can come this morning and have forgiveness because of God's grace. So, grace is a wonderful thing. Does that mean then that we're, we're soft on sin? Does that mean that sin is really... Well, it doesn't matter that much. Especially if I'm a Christian, I'm saved, um, going to heaven. Um, If I sin, well, um, God's God's grace, I'll I'll be forgiven. Um, And Paul tackles this in in, um, Romans chapter 7. He says... um, well, sh- sh- shall we go on sinning then because grace will increase? He said, where, where sin increase, grace increase. He said, well, you know, shall we, sh- is it all right to sin because there's lots of grace? And he says, no, we don't want to sin. It's, we sometimes think that sinning, um, um, up, it does upset God, but actually the reason God doesn't want us to sin is because it's, it's bad for us. Um, God wants God wants us to leave, lead lives that are happy, that are fulfilled, and have good relationships. And and sin spoils all those things. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price for every sin. Also, another example, I think it's, um, it's uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Um, Paul talks about the, the, um, the man who was in the church and he was sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul says, you must deal with this man. If he doesn't repent, you must put him out of the church. But um, the good news is, and they did that, But the good news was that in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about the man being forgiven and restored to the church. Grace is not soft on sin, but grace brings forgiveness and grace brings restoration. Um, Are you enjoying the grace of God this morning? Paul enjoyed the grace of God. Because of the grace of God, he could um, endure much suffering. He was an incredible um, minister of the gospel. Um, I think he was three times, he, he says he received from the Jewish authorities, he received 40 lashes, save one, which means 39. He was beaten with rods three times. I think it was three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night, as he said, spent a day and a night in the deep. You can read about his sufferings. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not very good at following my notes, so I have to abandon them. But um, I think it's 2 two Corinthians somewhere, 11 or something, he speaks about his sufferings. You can, you can find it in 2 Corinthians. And um, amazing that the grace of god wasn't just for the damascus road the g- grace of god was for every day of his life and what what's god saying to us this morning about his grace as a church He loves us so much. He wants us to enjoy His grace. But so often we cut ourselves off from His grace because we try and do it our own way. just want to ask you this morning, in in all love, are you you cutting yourself off from God's grace? Are you cutting yourself off from blessing in your life, from peace in your life? I just feel that... um, The Lord is saying to us this morning that we need to be real. There are some of us here that are holding on to sin. We may have been Christians for many years. Um, We can't get free of certain sins and we, we're afraid to tell anybody because of what they will think about us. You know, we don't go, we don't go um, shouting people's sins from the rooftops. That's not what we do. But I would encourage you this morning, if there's something in your life that's troubling you, that's been there a long time that you want to get rid of and you can't do it on your own, you talk to somebody about it and that's as a church how we enjoy the grace of God that I can come to you and I can say look I'm struggling with this I've done that will you pray for me and I don't think oh what are they going to think about me they're going to be quite shocked you know actually um, for one thing nothing shocks God And um, if you've been in a church a long time, actually, any church probably, there's not too many things that um, shock you anymore. I say that very carefully and very graciously. And then, so God's just saying this morning, please put things right. Please just sort out your sins. Things that are stopping you enjoying my presence, enjoying fellowship like you should do. Perhaps... Perhaps there might be some people here that you've, you've built a little throne of what you do in the church. I've done that. You know, I think, well, I do this and I do that, and that just gives me a, a bit of status. Just, you know, I do, I, I've got, I, I'm I, who I am because of what I do. And that, that's totally abhorrent to God, We're who we are because of God's love and because of God's grace. We don't earn anything. You know, if you, if you got up one morning and if you, if you prayed for three hours and read your Bible for four and spoke in tongues for six and went out and witnessed to everybody in Alton High Street, God wouldn't love you a tiny bit more than he loves you now. And if you're sitting there this morning and you think, well, I don't know, I'm nothing compared with Paul I'm a, just a I'm just a little Christian I'm a bit weak and I struggle and I sin and God you know God loves you as much as he loves the apostle Paul that's that's the kind of God that he that we serve that's what grace is it doesn't depend on what we do or who we are it all depends on God's love for you which is unstoppable it's it's fantastic and that's where I want to leave you this morning. A fantastic, unstoppable love of God for you and me. So could I, um, could I just ask you to, to stand and, and we'll just pray. Father God, we just come very thankfully to you. We thank you that you rescued us from our previous lives. We thank you for all that you've given us. And we just thank you for your grace. And Father God, this morning we know is a wonderful opportunity. And Father, I just want to give that invitation that if there's anybody sitting here today that is not in a relationship with you, that you will just cause them now to realize that they need to come to the cross and they need to come to Jesus. And Father, if there's some of us that maybe we're struggling with sin, um, maybe there's things spoiling our lives and we're afraid to talk about it, Father, I just pray that you will release us from that. And as people in this church, we will show your grace to one another. And we will receive your grace from one another. We will not judge one another. We will not look down on one another. We will not say, oh, fancy him doing that or her doing that. Father God, fill us with your grace and make us strong, we do pray. We just commit ourselves into your hand. And we just bless and praise you that you're so great and you've touched our lives and we're excited about our lives in the future with you father god we thank you in the name of jesus amen Amen. please please take your seats